Welcome back to the Coach and Kernan Podcast Network. I'm Dave D'Agostino. I'm here with my co-host and star of the show, show, Sal Marinello. This is episode 68 of the Podcast Network, but we're on our sixth installment here of the Hot Corner with Coach Sal. Sal, welcome back to your to your show. Hey, Dave. Thanks. I uh, look forward to this. I can't believe it's been a week already, but I'm ready to go. It's like we talk every day, though, I think, here. So the two topics we were going to hit, I know we definitely were going to hit on one we talked last week. We teased it with sleep as it pertains to athletics. But you you threw something at me uh, midday today. I wanted to talk a little bit about muscle memory. So we can start with either topic, whichever one you want to go with. Well, yeah, I think we're going to start with muscle memory, Dave, because um, it's a, a, it's just really a quick kind of um, a bullet point I want to mention. And whether you're a coach or a, a, an athlete or a parent, there's some things to just keep in mind. I, I, I'm going to – I treat muscle memory, the phrase muscle memory, um, the same way that I treat the concept of dehydration causing cramps. You know, you hear announcers throw that term muscle memory around, and I hear some coaches uh, also use it. Muscles don't have memory. I know might, that might be being a stickler or that might be a semantics argument. I don't believe so. I think – um, you know, depend, especially if it's a coach that uses that term, muscle memory, I think it's, it's, it, it displays a lack of understanding about the mechanism at, at work. And really, it uh, explains a lot of the reasons we have problems training. Um, we're, we, don't, we should not be training muscles. We should be training movements. Uh, and, and that's a, a, an easy way of saying we're really training the nervous system. The, the nervous system is really responsible for how we move and and the quality or lack of quality of our movement. And if you train muscles, and that would be like your typical bodybuilding, even to a certain extent, you know, weightlifting type of philosophy, you don't move well on the playing field or on the court or wherever it is that you're making your um, vocation or avocation of whether you're a runner, whether you're a court player, whether you're a tennis player or a golfer, if you train muscles in isolation, you're going to be a poor mover and you're setting yourself up for injury. But, but you can, you got me nervous when you sent me that because I've been indoctrinated into this my whole life. Is it, is it more, you said you can train movements in the nervous system that, that kind of set me, set me or settled me, I should say. You're training the synapses uh, to create movements and memory in that regard. Is that, is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, the memory, the memory, it's a nervous, it's a um, a motor skill memory. It's not a, it's not a muscle. The muscle is the messenger, is the, uh, it carries out the message. The, the, so, in, in, and we've talked about this on the other show, Dave, if you're never sprinting, if you're doing 75% runs with long strides in a straight line, and then you're in a baseball game and you whack the ball into the gap and you sprint and have to pivot and turn the base, you're now doing something that's completely opposite of, uh, of what we did in your training where you're moving slower. So, you, you know, you need that specificity of movement. So I don't want to get hung up on that, but I just want everyone to realize if there was muscle memory, um, the spinal cord injuries that people suffer, unfortunate as they may be, would, would not be so catastrophic if muscles did in fact have memory. Okay. They're, they're just carrying out the signals. So what good training is training the nervous system and it's training. It goes back to that idea of specificity where we're moving at speeds and in ways that we move during our uh, events and our uh, competitions. 
Oh, good. I, I, uh, I'm much more settled now. What, now, what prompt? I just need to know what prompted this today. Something must have happened. A conversation. Something you read. Well, uh, yeah. Well, yes and no. I, I just hear that phrase thrown around. But in, in thinking and looking at my notes on sleep and things that sleep improves, there, there was a section in my notes about how um, the body will be better at a movement after it sleeps and after sleep, after the appropriate amount of sleep and, and kind of how that um, phrase muscle memory does not uh, work because the muscles have no memory. So it, it was tied into something we we're going to talk about and that muscle memory and, and real quick, we're going to touch on coordination, which we've discussed in kind of uh, fringe terms that comes from playing multiple sports and doing the kind of free play drills that kids used to do. Even when I was a kid, I remember playing hopscotch. I know my sons never played hopscotch. I don't think kids of this generation have played hopscotch. That's that's a coordination drill, for lack of a game, that improves your performance. Uh, And here's a little tidbit to our coaches out there. The more you can improve a young athlete's coordination, the higher the ceiling is for their skill level acquisition. So that's another way of saying play more sports, be a multi-sport athlete, because all those different tasks are improving coordination, which is going to ultimately set a higher ceiling for skill acquisition. I like that. That's that's a great, I like how you bite-size it for everybody. So higher, improve coordination for higher skill acquisition. And again, I, I agree with the two sports stuff. I think it helps out tremendously. So, uh, so in your research with the sleep, what'd you find out? What, what's, what do you have to share with our audience? So, and you know, it's, I apologize for my voice. I'm overcoming a cold and, uh, from screaming a little bit at a, not screaming, but yelling at a, at a competition, uh, cheering, I'll say, um, um, you know, sleep is one of those things, Dave, that has gotten lost in the equation here of how we improve ourselves. And to be honest with you, uh, to be a bit of a cynic, um, it's because there's not a lot of ways people for people to make money off of promoting sleep. Uh, just like, really, if you're promoting the proper way to eat, there's a lot of not a lot of money to be made off of it, which is why we have a, a trillion-dollar diet industry in this country and in the world. Um, so the... Simple oversimplification is that we we need to sleep. You need to have uh, you know seven to eight hours of good sleep every night, and that improves everything. Now, if people read the book, listen to the book "Why We Sleep" by Matthew Walker, which I can't recommend enough. Um, he, he'll go into more detail than you probably would care to know about why sleep is so important. Uh, so let's let's all assume, or not not assume, let's all agree that nothing bad could come from sleeping for seven to eight hours a night. Um, we've gotten into a, a space, a weird space. It's almost like people talking about, you know, the old school fish stories or the golf story. This, the I don't need sleep story is BS and is detrimental. You know, in the book, uh, Matthew Walker talks about the person, uh, you, you're more likely to win the Powerball than you are to be a person who could really, truly survive on five hours of sleep a night. So we need to get over that concept that there's some 
benefit uh, from a, a, a personal toughness or however you want to phrase it standpoint that you don't need to sleep. Uh, lack of lack of sleep has caused so many or is at the root of cause of so many causes of, of problems down the line. We have to kind of get back to our proper sleep habits. That's kind of like the equivalent of what we talked about last week about the phrase, the grind, right? Yeah. People, people are always bragging about how much sleep they don't get and what they don't need. And I'm guilty of that too. I really am. Um, but I'll have to read Matthew's book as well. Is, it, is dovetails, there- it dovetails into what we've also spoke about. And I'm a huge um, uh, advocate of not getting teams up at the crack of dawn and um, getting them out on a field or on the court. Uh, again, reading the book, you'll get some more of the details and, and more succinctly than I could provide them. And from a guy, Walker is not just a reporter or someone writing about this. He's actually a researcher. So he's done a lot of this research. The type of sleep that kids get in that early morning time before they wake is pretty much the most important sleep that they get in their course of sleeping. There's different types of of REM sleep that we get throughout the night. And for kids at that age, from both a develop, brain development standpoint and from a motor skill and learning standpoint, they need that early morning sleep that's, that occurs right before waking. So when you're pulling kids out of bed at 6 to get to the weight room by 6.30 and then to get them on the field at 7.30 or 7, uh, you're doing them a disservice across the board. Well, I think that's uh, that goes back to that whole toughness thing. I think that's why people started doing it, that I guess the falsehood of toughness. And again, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm transparent. I was guilty of that as a young coach as well. Can you sleep too much? Well, I think it's one of those things like with a baby. I remember, you know, never wake a baby to sleep them. Uh, never wake, wake a baby to feed them. If they're sleeping, let them sleep. I think the body, uh, the we've, we had the ability to regulate our sleep. I think now we've let, you know, another phrase I wish I came up with, I believe it's Walker's. He said, we've been molested by modernity. Uh, that means the modern contrivances have basically changed us in ways that it's very hard to overcome. You know, we've, we've told kids they have a bedtime. We have a, a rising time. School starts early. So we've messed up a lot of our natural rhythms. And he goes into great detail about how that has happened, how that can be fixed, and how at different ages there's different times um, that we should wake and sleep, as well as there's different genetic uh, requirements. Some people truly are early morning, early risers, and some people truly are night owls. And that's kind of genetically determined, and forcing people to do the other from what they're suited for has negative effects for them. Nice. What about, um, I, I, again, I'm, I'm telling all the negatives about myself. What about falling asleep with sound or even the TV on? Or, or I guess lighting would be an issue with ruining sleep, correct? Uh, yeah, I think those, if you know, the screen, the, bl- the blue light from the screens, they know now disrupts the sleep pattern. Um, you know, there's glasses I have that I'm, my sons have used just for the sake that they're doing homework. And sometimes they need to be doing homework late, that they wore these glasses that were blocking that kind of light. Uh, I don't know uh, clinically if it worked or they're just good sleepers. My kids have been lucky um, as far as they're good sleepers. And um, for the most part, 
aside from major injuries for my one son, they've been relatively free of the nagging repetitive injuries. You know, sleep is a big important part of recovery. Um, and six, oh, I want to go into a couple of numbers here, Dave. I don't want to turn this into a uh, a sleep uh, primer here, but there's, I think, some things people need to realize about sleep. You know, we we talk about six hours of sleep, and is six hours enough? Now they know from research that four nights of four hours sleep and ten ten nights of six hours of sleep equals twenty four hours without sleep. So it's in other words, that's akin. So if you if you think six hours of sleep a, a night is good and you're getting that six hours a night as your regular sleep, once you've done that for about a week or so, a little more than a week, it's you'll be you'll be functioning as if you were asleep. I'm sorry, you were awake for 24 hours. So they they've done reaction time and other cognitive tests to study these things, and that's what they've come up with, which is pretty scary. Um, and then the, the whole concept of makeup sleep doesn't really um, show up in the research either there because they're saying the three days of eight hours sleep can't make up for those five days of six hours sleep. So and if you're getting six hours in that uh, versus eight hours in that night of sleep, you're getting like almost a, a, a quarter less of REM sleep that you should be getting, which is that kind of deep restorative sleep that our brain needs. Well, I'm doing the math myself here. It's, it's it's almost like a online therapy session for me and a wake up call. So oh, yeah, the- just one one more quick thing I think everyone can relate to, which is frightening when you think about it. Uh, if you sleep for six hours and then do a full day of work, your reaction time will be just similar or just the same as if you were legally drunk. They've done um, they've done research on that, and that's pretty scary because. I know a whole bunch of people that live on six hours a day and and then work and then have to drive. That's just one night. You get your, your regular sleep for eight hours a night usually, and then you do that one time, and that's yeah. If, if so, if you're a person who's getting you know think you can function on six hours of sleep, they've done research that shows that after six hours and then you have your full day of work, your reaction time at the end of that day is going to be like it was uh, like you were legally drunk. Okay, that's that's the legal after the uh, after the work day. Okay. Yes. 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 Wow. Um. And, and so I think we we off like you said, people for some reason aren't focused on this because they they can't make money the, the way you're presenting it, and and I believe it as well. Um. Why isn't this at the forefront? What's an, I mean, it can't just be the money. This seems. Well, it is. I think it is. I mean, when when has uh, I'll just. I, if we could get a response, when is a doctor told anybody in this audience or that you know of that you need to get more sleep and the, the, the associative function is or breathe properly? We, we're going to talk about proper breathing as well. Yeah. Those are two things that, along with diet, are messed up enough, even in people who think they're doing the right thing, that it's, a pro- it's causing problems and that no one ever hears that. I guess you can't bill an insurance company for it, so they don't prescribe it like they would medication to do so. Yeah, and you know the dangers of the sleep of sleeping pills. Here's the thing: you know, if you if you're on a prescription sleeping pill, you are not sleeping. You are medicated. You are anesthetized. That not sleep. You do not get that same level of sleep. And again, if you listen to the book, there is scary research that 
goes along with people who have long-term use of sleeping pills about uh, uh, poor health outcomes down the line. We, we talked about last week a little bit painkillers and ice right after you work out. Would that be the same adverse effect on your abilities as a person to obtain that proper sleep, that REM sleep by taking those? Do you weaken the body or the mind's ability to do that long term? Well, yeah, I think just as, you know, over icing and icing for regular stuff and for taking Advil for regular, just little bit of ache and a pain, I think you dampen your body's ability to fight things. It's just like with this. I think if you're constantly using other methods to, uh, to fall asleep that are um, pharmaceutical interventions, you're, you're not teaching yourself to sleep. You know, uh, it sounds silly, but we've gotten to the point, Dave, I, for, for 30 plus years, I have people who don't know how to eat. You know, my parents, I'm 60. My parents are in their 80s. My mom, you know, at 85 is that generation that was targeted by the diet industry. And what's happened is now we have two generations, three generations of people that don't know how to feed themselves because of this misinformation and disinformation that's been spread in the you know guise of trying to help people out. And um, it's the same thing with sleeping and breathing. Again, I've spoken to a couple of doctors about the whole breathing issue and their response is, well, you know, it's, it's an automatic as any response and there's no reason to work on it. And I just think that's ridiculous. And when you look at the dysfunction that comes from improper breathing, it's hard to just say that as your answer as a medical professional. Yeah. What, what about, I know we're going to transition heavily into breathing next week, but when you sleep, did we hear about this sleep apnea? Um, and people have, and, and my kids were teasing the other day, I told them we were going to talk about sleep. And when I'm working out, I breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth. I'm very deliberate with it. Um, when I sleep, I don't. My, my, my older son was saying, he goes, I saw you when you sleep, you breathe, you're a mouth breather when you sleep. Is that dangerous? Does that hurt sleep? Well, it's bad. Yeah. It's, it's, again, you're getting all that unfiltered air, but, uh, through your, uh, through your mouth instead of through your nasal passages. Uh, again, in, um, in both, uh, I don't believe, I forget if it's Walker's book. I believe it's in the, uh, oxygen advantage book. I've been using a, a strip of tape to, sh to tape my mouth shut. So I, it teaches me to breathe through my nose. Uh, I snored a little bit, but I find that I sleep much better. Um, I, you know, people are light sleepers. A lot of the times when they travel, I have found that, uh, being able to breathe through my nose helps me sleep when I'm in an unfamiliar place, which is usually more difficult for people to do. So I think, and I have a client, so I have a client, non-traditional uh, profile of a sleep apnea patient, not, not heavy, um, very healthy and snored and had sleep apnea. And he, he did really didn't like the mask. He found it was as invasive as an intrusive as the snoring and to his wife as well. So about a month ago, he started taping his mouth shut instead of using the sleep apnea uh, mask, the CPAP. And he says he's slept better and his wife has slept better than they had in 30 years. So, you know, if, if breathing through, through your nose solves that uh, for a sleep apnea patient, it's going to be better for the person who does not have that condition as well. And then when you say tape your mouth shut, what do you mean by that? Uh, literally take a strip of tape. 3M makes a, a, a brand of tape that is 
lighter than what your traditional typical ankle tape would be like, Dave. And you cut off a strip and you place it from right under your nose, across your lips to right above your chin. Oh, wow. That's a, I never would have thought about that. I'm not ready for that yet. And I, I don't know if I was more bothered by my mouth breathing or my son watching me. Well, well was- that, they're both troublesome, I'm sure. And I wouldn't want to see that video. But it's a, <laughs> 3M, it's, it's, a, it's called 3M Micropore Tape. You could get it on Amazon. It's ridiculously inexpensive. And uh, if you're in a situation where your snoring is disruptive, it could help make a lot of people very happy and it'll make you feel better. Is it specifically designed for sleep or is it adapted? Uh, it was recommended in the in the book about oh. uh, um, uh, the oxygen advantage, and I've been using it for four years. And so, you've got, you have good results. Ex- excellent results. Well, I think I may be shopping for that this weekend then. I uh, I think, and again, like you said, you can't make up. Once you cheat sleep, you can't make it up. It's, it's You're just creating a deficit that can't um, you can't overcome. That is correct. And I, I, I love the analogies, the drunk um, after eight hours of work, after only six hours of sleep, and that four nights, four hours, 10 nights, six hours, that's like going a whole day without sleep. Um, those are those are frightening. Yeah. And lack of sleep has accumulative damage. You can't, and it, you know, caffeine and napping does not make up for those gaps in your sleep either. Well, um, no, I, I, I like that. What about... Um, does it, it obviously it must weaken the immune system, I would imagine, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, if you look at, uh, if you read the book, if you listen to the book, he, uh, Dr. Walker goes at, to great lengths to, and basically says it's the best performance enhancer, it's the best recovery aid, it's the best uh, injury preventer, it's the best way to recover from an illness, it's the best way to enhance your memory and to uh, and, and, and refine and gain skill both motor skill and other cognitive skills. And that's what all our athletes are after. I mean, every single one of those things you mentioned. And uh, there's no shiny toy to go with it. You just, you just uh, got to lie down and, and take advantage of the sleep. I like that. It's the best form, performance enhancer. It's not steroids, not not uh, any of those other things they throw out there, but sleep. That's pure. I love it. I love it. What uh, what, what other parting shots you have with uh, for our well, audience here? Nothing. I want to wrap up here. Um, I, I have a couple of things I just want to point out to people. I'm going to be part of this uh, holistic baseball training summit, which uh, interviews are going to be online, available November 1st, and it's holisticbaseball.com/backslash/salmarinello. That will give you a free pass to download some of the uh, some of the interviews. Uh, it's designed to help young young players increase. I'm sorry, increase their uh, recruitability, but not by the same old thing. It's we're trying to help them from across the board: nutrition, um, mental skills, physical skills, how to work out properly, and just overall how to approach the process. So I'll put up a a little link on that um, in in one of my tweets. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, at Sal Marinello on Twitter. And I have a new Instagram, uh, Dave, that I just got going. It's Coach Sal's Playmakers. So just go into Coach Sal's Playmakers. You'll see some of my athletes uh, doing some of the things I have them do, as well as doing some of the things they do when they're not with me. So those are a couple, a couple of new things I've got going that will develop more as we go forward. 
And you sent me a, a, a couple of dynamic movements on text message looking for an athlete, a stud athlete that, that would be willing to do do that stuff. Uh, do, can I post those for you? Can I put Absolutely. them up? I love that. I, I thought it was great. I showed it to my two boys. Um, and I show, I told them, I said, now, that they didn't realize you, you mentioned your age. They had no idea uh, you were 60. I'm going to tell them that, too. This is yeah. the shape he's in. Yeah, you'll, uh, I, I actually don't usually do that, but uh, I put one of the drills, lifts. I don't like to call them lifts, but I'll, I'll, one of the drills that I have my athletes do that I, I, I'm doing. So that's uh, just in the last week or so. So you'll see that up. That's up there now on that Coach Sal's Playmakers Instagram account. Good. Let's make sure we follow that. And, you know, please reach out to Sal again uh, for speaking engagements, for uh, performance training uh, situations. And let's take a look at this holisticbaseball.com backslash Sal Marinello. It's in November. Was it 9th, you said? November 1st. They'll start releasing the interviews. Okay. And it's how long will it go for? I think it's going to, once it's up, it's going to be up at least for, you know, a couple of weeks. I'm not sure what the shelf life is on that, but I think it's going to be, once it's up, it's up. Okay, good. Let's make sure our followers are following that and supporting this group as well and, and supporting Sal. So Sal, great uh, information. I was looking forward to this one because sleep is probably, I'm, that's my biggest weakness and uh, appreciate the personal therapy. And I'm sure our audience of, you know, our, our thousands of downloaders will appreciate it as well. Thanks again, but I appreciate the show today. Great one. Good to see you. Uh, good to hear from you. And I look forward to next week. Thanks, Sal.